All right, Mike, it's uh, time for our pre-roll advertisement, uh, which uh, is for The Athletic this week. Exciting? Very exciting. Uh, Sure, yes, definitely exciting. Very exciting. Let's do it, it. It, it. And it gives us talking points, so so I'm just going to throw some talking points. Okay. Here, here's, here's the talking point. Sports are back, save 40%. Okay. That is, there you go. You sports are back, do- save 40 I just want to say, so I remember, sports are back, save 40%. Okay, good. Right, there go we go. Ahead. That's our talking point. Okay. Don't miss exclusive in-depth coverage of this unprecedented sports season. Sports <laughs> season. <laughs> <laughs> season is not a hard word. Yeah. It, really was not. It, was, it was like someone shoved you really hard in the middle of the word season. <laughs> <laughs> Subscribe now at The Athletic and save. You can get all access uh, to The Athletic's exclusive in-depth coverage of this unprecedented sports season, unlimited access to breaking news, in-depth stories, expert analysis uh, on what is sure to be one of the most enthralling seasons in sports history. I'm, I'm not going there, Athletic. I love I'm you. Sure, that's true. No, yeah, 60-game baseball season. <laughs> ba- basketball yeah. season that who Every, knows? Everybody I mean, in NBA is in Orlando. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 what I can say is you will get uh, exclusive in-depth coverage uh, at The Athletic. That's awesome. Uh, you can sign up uh, to see for yourself the creativity, reporting, and storytelling that sets The Athletic apart. And if you go to theathletic.com slash podcast, you get 40% off. See, they, they weren't lying. Right up front with the with the thing, they said sports are back, save 40%. Sports are back, save 40%. That's so right, they, yeah. They, totally, that's exactly right. So uh, go to theathletic.com slash podcast. For 40% off of uh, an annual subscription, hope to see you there. Welcome to the podcast. I am Joe Posnanski, and with me is Michael Shore. Michael, welcome. Thank you for having me, Joe. You know what that is? You know what that is? That's a happy anniversary. That's a happy anniversary. Uh, thank you for having me, Joe. That's exactly right. I'm so excited. Happy anniversary to you. So a little backstory. Um, it's been a running joke on the podcast for years now that we have no idea how many of these we've done. We haven't kept track. They're in like seven different places because Joe's kept moving his job from place <laughs> to place. Losing jobs. Yeah, yeah, no, that's pretty much it. Most of, most of the first like 100 of them were just us screaming into our computers <laughs> from a distance of 11 feet with bad internet. Uh, and uh, so it's been a running joke, right? You've probably heard us say like, this is our 7,000th show or whatever. So we decided after last week to actually look into how many we've done. And we got what I think is the perfect answer. Yes. Because the answer we came up with is the next show, meaning this one we're doing right now, is our 201st episode. Happy anniversary! (laughs) 201! So we we blew right past the one that we should have celebrated, (laughs) which is so perfect. And it's just chef's kiss emoji level perfect. And now we have decided to celebrate as our symbolic uh anniversary it's perfect for a, a podcast where two guys who talk about sports um <laughs> like to talk about how phony num- and arbitrary numbers are right yep uh our 201st episode anniversary show happy anniversary to you joe posnanski it's so exciting 201 i believe that's um 
what? That's plutonium. That's a I plutonium think. anniversary. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> it's very, it's very exciting. Very, and 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 honestly, seriously, we are celebrating the 201st anniversary. Which, by the way, much like our our uh, statistics that we come up with, um, you know, everybody knows about the 201st anniversary. I mean, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. It's, it's like the fam. Deal. It's the fam of anniversary <laughs> the numbers. Fam of, who who can forget 1977 when America celebrated the 201st? <laughs> anniversary just everywhere fireworks and parades and (laughs) wild but we are celebrating 201st anniversary in for me for me personally the most exciting possible way because we are well i'm gonna let you do it i mean this is this is it's this is your moment of glory mike this is it (laughs) so we were thinking about who we should have on as special guests for our 201st anniversary uh, and you actually suggested this. We have today a, a, re- a little mini reunion yes. of the old Fire Joe Morgan writing staff. So this is a blog started by my friend Dave King, who you'll hear in a second, and uh, and f- mostly featuring the writing of me and Dave and uh, our friend Alan Yang, who you'll also hear in a second, as well as some other people who aren't here. Our friend Matt Murray, Seth Myers was uh, actually an original member of Fire Joe Morgan, John Berman of CNN. <laughs> News was original <laughs> member of Fire Joe Morgan, uh, and a couple of other of our friends, Evan Russell, uh, Craig D. Gregorio. There were a bunch of guys, but the majority of the writing on this dumb site, uh, this dumb <laughs> blog where we just made fun of bad sports writing, was done by me, Alan, and Dave. And so we have asked Alan and Dave to join us here on the special 201st anniversary of the podcast. Here they are now, Dave King. Say hi, Dave. Hi, guys. Thank you for having <laughs> yeah. me. <laughs> and and our other good friend Alan Yang, say hello, Alan. What's up, guys? How are you? <laughs> and it's that level of enthusiasm that we brought to the blog each and every day for five years. <laughs> it was a written format. It was not audio. <laughs> we were very exciting on the page in that very black and white, ugly, hideous layout website blog, whatever it was. So. As a little backstory, uh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Joe, but as a backstory, so really, in my memory, Dave is the one who came up with the idea to start a blog. Is that is that your memory as well, David? Kind of. I mean, I think it was either my idea or I was just the one who was like, well, I'll just set it, I'll just set it up after we talked about, I think Yang and I shared an office at the time, and we were like, you know, every we had a little email chain where we sent a lot of emails between the three of us plus a bunch of other people that was half about baseball and sports, but also just like, did you guys read this article? Like, what the hell are they talking about? This is crazy. <laughs> is are we like are we insane or is everyone who talks about sports like a huge idiot? So at the time there were like these blogs that were like, you know, fire I like in the name of a manager or something. Yeah. Right. Or like, and so that's what, and Joe Morgan was like this, you know, he was sort of the avatar of our sort of animosity. So yeah, it wasn't a great name, but I set it up on whatever blogger. Blogger, blogspot. What was it called? Blogger, right? Blogspot. Yeah. I think they became the same thing eventually and yeah, took off. And then, and you, so you, you and Alan were working at Carson Daly. Where were we working? That's right. That's right. Last call with Carson Daly. 
<laughs> which turned out to be one of the longest running shows in the history of late night television <laughs> against all odds. And Yang and, um, and I was at, and I was at, I was not at SNL at the time or I was. I, I can't think, remember if I was still there. I think the blog lasted so long it overlapped with you working at the office and me also working at South Park cuz I remember going home from our jobs and then inexplicably writing 20,000 word pieces in the middle of the night and then going back to our jobs also writing. It's like, why, what are we doing? This is not, this is a huge waste of time. This is for nobody. And uh, we already had jobs writing. So what are we doing? That's right. Uh, and we had, and there was also um, in the early days, I think it actually started when I was at SNL, I could be wrong, but then it went to the office. Um, I was at the office and it also spanned the time of my marriage and honeymoon. And I actually wrote like a huge part of this blog for me was justifying that exact thing to my first girlfriend, then fiance, then wife, when she would she would be like, let's take a walk. And I would be like, I can't. Mike Selizik just wrote a really long piece about Derek Jeter and I need three hours. And it was really hard to like explain that. But then we went on our honeymoon to Venice and Paris. And at one point. She was jet lagged and took a nap. And I went to the business center to check my email. And this is pre iPhone. And um, and I logged on and I saw and I read an, someone had written us a, an email. We solicited emails. So someone had written us an email about something. And I wrote a blog post about this piece of sparking from Venice, from, from the business center of a hotel room in Venice, Italy on my honeymoon. And I remember thinking like, how much longer can this go on? Like this can't, this is a true low point in terms of time management. Uh, but this day, it, the greatest work of art ever produced in Italy, the greatest <laughs> masterpiece ever created in that country. Yeah. We went to the, um, the Duomo the next day in Florence. It was nothing. I was like, I just, I just made my own Duomo. You know, your hands had already made something more beautiful. <laughs> so how quickly did you guys like, cause, cause like how long did you do it where nobody paid attention to it? And, and like, when did you go, oh, wow. People are actually reading this thing. Forever. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, I, in my memory, you guys can correct me in this, but in my memory, I mean, we've said this anytime we've ever talked about that blog, we, we always say this, but it's really true. We did not ever intend anyone to read it. It was really for ourselves. It started, I have an email somewhere in my archives of Dave sending us an email and saying, you know, if we just started a blog where we could like post all of our complaints about bad sports writing and bad announcing, we would save a lot of time because we, we keep sending these emails to each other. And like the emails go back and forth. And like, why don't we just start a blog and we just post about it? And and so it literally was for us, for each other. And for the first, I don't know how many uh, months, it was, you know, our readership. We would check in amusingly and see that like 15 people had read it or, uh, you know, 61 people had read it. And then it was Will Leach at Deadspin, who was running Deadspin at the time. He was the original editor of Deadspin, who I don't know to this day how he found it. But he started reading it and started linking to it from Deadspin. And then the readership went from, you know, 57 people to like, you know, 4,000 pretty quickly. Right, Dave, right. you used you were like the admin like you have you may have a better memory of this than I do. I remember it. Yeah, that's basically what happened. I mean, I don't know, like how it leaked out, but probably we just like a few of, uh, you know, like we emailed a few fa friends and they emailed a few friends or whatever. The, the other early supporter of us 
was Richard Deitch or Deitch. I'm not sure how you say his last Deitch, name. Yeah. Who, yeah. Deitch, yeah. At the Athletic now. At, oh, at the Athletic now. Who was at the time was at CNNSI, I think. And so he, right. I think he gave us one of our early like links, which at the time were huge. I remember us, like you were saying, Mike, we would look at that stat counter thing. And I mean, we were so, when like 500 people went to the site, we were like, oh, my, it was like, celebrate we were like who are these people this is incredible <laughs> meanwhile like mike was writing for snl which millions of people watched every week and yang and i were writing for a tv show but like there was something about this thing that we like created out of nowhere like 500 people are clicking on it this crazy. <laughs> it's not like we remember... thought we were gonna make money or anything it was just like this is how did no. this happen yeah we we I remember um, another trip with my wife. We were going to New York, and this is probably two thousand I don't know six or seven. And uh, we we're going to New York, and um, we, it, so we were anonymous on the site for a long time. And 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 the reason for that was that we put zero thought into any aspect of the site at all. And so we just chose <laughs> names. I chose the name Ken Tremendous because it was a name I thought it would be a funny name for a character in a, in a in like a short story or something when I was in college. Dave was Dak, which are just his initials, D-A-K. Yang was, where were you, Junior, right? You were Junior? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, why did you choose Junior? Leftover. It was a leftover from uh, a, another blog that I had started like a year ago that I never started writing on. Me and my friends had an NBA blog. And oh, I right. was the character of Junior Harrington, who was a fourth string point guard for the Denver Nuggets. And I was so lazy, I didn't bother to change it for Fire Joe Morgan. So it, it completely, yeah, the, again, there was no thought put into any of that. Right. So we were anonymous for a long time. And then when the site took off, we had this moment of like reckoning where um, we sort of felt like it was a little cowardly to be anonymous on the site. Like the, you know, the accused have a right to face their accusers kind of a thing. And so we sort of like had this phone call and we were like, we should just say who we are uh, because it's not cool to, to be anonymous on the internet. A lot of pain and, and, and grossness happens when things are anonymous on the internet. So we, we wrote a quick post and we're like, look, here's why we did this. We put no thought into this. We never thought this would matter. We never thought anybody would read it. Here's who we really are. I'm Mike Shore. This is Dave King. This is Alan Yang. And immediately it like went through the roof because then Will Leach wrote a piece on Deadspin that said one of our favorite bloggers is Moe's from The Office <laughs> and and then and wrote about and then wrote about how Alan was at South Park and Dave was at uh, Carson Daly. And like it was then so suddenly it was like it, it like doubled the readership again. Anyway, the point of this whole story is that I was on this trip with my wife soon thereafter and I was um uh, I had a we had a suitcase that said Dunder Mifflin on it because I was writing on the office and it was like a end of the year giveaway and I was putting my suitcase in the above the in the bin and this guy says to me hey I'm a big fan and I immediately was like oh this uh, he must have seen the suitcase and I was like oh thank you do you watch the show and he went what show no I'm talking about Fire <laughs> Joe Morgan and, and my and I I was like you're kidding me and he was like no I'm I love the site and I read it all the time. And we had a brief conversation and then I sat down and I distinctly remember my wife turning to me and saying, what the hell is happening? <laughs> I, don't, I do not, because it was so hard to explain to her what this blog was and why people would like it and why it took so much time. And, and then to get actually recognized, not because I played uh, Rain Wilson's cousin on the, on the office, which was like the number one comedy at the time. 
but because of this weird blog like that yeah. that's like a real watershed for me and we cannot stress enough how niche this blog was it wasn't like hey this is a baseball blog yeah i get that that's like okay people are writing no this was analysis and criticism of other people's <laughs> writing about baseball like like their writing wasn't good so we were like correcting some small aspect of their writing it made no sense obviously there were like jokes and stuff in it but again this was meant for an audience of nine and so when it was like oh there's ten thousand unique visitors every month or whatever every day i don't even know what it was it was so shocking and it got to the point where like you described you know first of all it was in like Sports Illustrated, the physical print magazine. There was a piece on it. There was a there was a there was a physical there was a piece in the physical Rolling Stone magazine, which I think is a music and movies culture magazine, not about sports. Wait, there was? I don't remember that. Yeah, what, there was, was there was a, it was the end of the year, like best like internet like thing. Cause you know, we again this is a pre-social media time. This was literally like people were like ranking websites, but I, I remember that coming up being like, what is going on? And then just like you described, people started Again, this was not super widespread, but sometimes I'd go to meetings or whatever, and I was like riding up in the elevator. I still remember this, similar to you, Mike. I was riding up in the elevator, and this assistant was taking me to to his boss, Bigs, and he was like, "Big fan," and I was like, "What?" And he was like, uh, "Fire Joe Morgan," right? And it was like it was like I was in Fight Club. It was like it was like what? This is crazy. Like I was I was a nobody writer, and it was like this is that you that you knew me from this website, which again was so niche as to be essentially indescribable and you can't <laughs> you can't communicate to lay people what it is even so anyway yeah. well the great thing to me is that in addition to whatever <clears throat> niche thing that that uh, that fire joe morgan was fire joe morgan is is why there's a podcast that is that is the direct podcast thing because and and mike tell me if you remember this the way mike and i met was that i wrote to mike saying that I'd read, I don't even remember which one it was, but I'd read one that, uh, that I thought was hilarious, but that wasn't why I wrote to him. I wrote to him to plead with him to never do that to me. That was literally, (laughs) (laughs) it was my, it was just a plea. Just please. I, I, I don't think I'm any good anyway. If you do this, I'll never leave the house. Just (laughs) please don't do this to me. And, uh, and that's how we met. So I do remember that. Yeah. And then, uh, and then I don't, did we ever hit you? I can't remember if we ever took a swipe. No, you you actually, you actually told me in the email that, that you wouldn't, you told me that. Well, you you were at the time you were one of the only people, I mean, again, you have, everyone needs to remember this is the blog was up from what? 2004 to 2008 or something, something like that. Right. That sounds right. That sounds right. About five years. I was five years. I was, I was five years old. <laughs> so so basically like there weren't uh, now um there's some somewhere in the in on that site which is still up uh you you can find i believe a piece one of us wrote that basically says like we will stop doing this when instead uh, on like a espn sunday night baseball instead of batting average home runs and rbis it has like ops plus war and uh and like you know fielding runs above average or whatever (laughs) as the stats and it was a complete joke it was absolutely we never in a million years thought that it would happen but now it's basically happened right over the last 15 years that's now people talk about ops at least ops like uh, batting average is kind of nowheresville um and and war is routinely discussed uh, uh, at a very casual national level and so 
you, Joe, at the time, I remember were one of the only guys who wasn't afraid of advanced statistics like that. When we started the blog, most sports writers were actively hostile to the oh, idea yeah. of advanced statistics and you weren't. And so I remember thinking when you wrote me that I was like, well, we're not going to hit that guy like that guy is <laughs> he's like understands what why this is good and why this is a better analysis system. Uh, and the, the guy and, the, and and also there were dozens and dozens and dozens of people who were like, you know, he, who were writing that like Derek Jeter knows how to win kind of article <laughs> that was our bread and butter. So there was no real reason to go after you. Right. Um, right. Now I kind of wish I had that it would be funnier if we had. <laughs> yeah, that we could would, go through that. Piece. That'd be fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, but what I think is so funny now, I mean, you know, regardless of, of how it happened, um, every so often a, a story will come and people, you'll see people, you know, on Twitter or whatever, say, guy, I wish the, the fire Joe Morgan guys were, were back, uh, to, to take this piece on. And, and, you know, there's one of those, I don't know, one or two of those a month. I mean, they're not that many that, that sort of reach that level, but honestly, there, you, the point that you're making is, is hundred percent right. There were dozens of those every week back then. Yeah. You yeah. know? Don't you think, Dave? You were the one. I, I think you were the one who first solicited um, reader emails. I yeah, could have I, that wrong, but like we, maybe. You, we we started asking for people to like send that send us stuff, right? <laughs> that really helped because people would. Everybody's like local, you know, not favorite journalists, but all so many local journalists who we weren't that familiar with were posting stuff in you know the Atlanta, whatever it is, that were just like. I mean, the way I remember feeling about it was that like. Like, I don't know, important scientific discoveries had been made and there was a whole like universe of reporters who were still behaving as if they the, the facts weren't what they what they actually were. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like that was terribly phrased, yeah. but it was like I, I remember like the if I my best like argument for the integrity of the site was that. I feel like the sports pages should be taken as seriously as the other parts of what used to be the newspaper or whatever. And I was like, yeah. people are printing falsehoods. Like this is, <laughs> right. this isn't true. And this is crazy that they're getting away with it. And like, part of that was that they would thread it, you know, like there's a, a strong desire for a narrative, especially in sports. And so you could get away with some sort of, you know, fudgy language about grit and hustle. But when you were reporting the actual facts about something and like what was important to the game, people were missing the point. People were like misleading their readers. I was like, yeah. it makes, still makes yeah. me angry. <laughs> anyway. I remember, I remember thinking that that early on, I remember thinking that the real reason the site was founded at some dark, deep level was Scott Brocious, because <laughs> in the in the late nineties, especially ninety eight, um, the Yankees are on their crazy five year, six year run, and Brocious is their third baseman and and he hit one of those home runs off Byung Young Kim in the in that World Series game and and he was a, a pretty good defender and whatever but like generally speaking he was crummy he wasn't a very right. good player he hit you know 230 and had like six home runs or whatever so what happened I remember around 2002 or something uh, or maybe even 2001 they they got rid of him which they should have done cuz A-Rod showed up right so they replaced Scott Brocious with A-Rod a demonstrably better baseball player than Scott Brocious and when they didn't win in 2001 and then failed to win again in 2002, and then they lost to the Marlins in 2003, around that exact time, there were numerous New York sports writers 
who basically attributed the Yankees' inability to win another championship to having given up Scott Brocious. <laughs> and, and it was like this weird, I remember it was the first time, because I just fixated it. We hated the Yankees so much. Alan is weirdly, Dave is from uh, Massachusetts, a big Red Sox fan. Alan is not from Massachusetts. He's from California. He's, a, he's the rare, rarely seen in nature Red Sox slash Lakers fan. Which is a very wow. weird thing. Wow. Um, but because we were all Red Sox fans, we all watched the Boone home run together in Dave's apartment. Like we were very tightly knit and and complained about the Yankees uh, nearly constantly. Uh, totally unlike today, where I almost never think about them or mention them <laughs> well, right, in my right. daily life. Um, yeah. But but I remember just having so many conversations with you guys about like the just weird the difference between causation and and coincidence, right? It's like the yeah. the Yankees won those World Series and Scott Brocious was the third baseman. And so they they he got like stamped with a championship third baseman. And then A-Rod comes in, who's a yeah, who's a billion times better, obviously, by any measure, anywhere, in in any facet of the game. And because they didn't win, he got stamped with not championship third baseman. And there were people who were literally saying that the reason that they couldn't get over the hump of their fifth championship in six years was uh, was because they let Scott Brocious go. And like though those were the debates that we were having. You don't see those debates as much anymore. You don't see that kind of reverse engineering a reason for something. And I think it's at least in part because over the last 40 years, a whole lot of people, I mean, we weren't the first people to be writing about this stuff, right? Like we always say, I always feel like it's important to say that like Bill James and Rob Nyer and Keith Law and a whole bunch of people yeah. We're writing good stuff, intelligent stuff about baseball before we showed up, but they just kind of kept at it. We all kept at it. And very, very slowly, the boat kind of this giant battleship kind of kind of turned. And uh, and now you don't necessarily see as much of that kind of crummy stuff anymore that, that you saw all the time back then. Yeah, it's, it's changed. You get a little... Wilbon now and again still kind of <laughs> preaching the word. <laughs> I, I, for real, I think he's I think he's one of the last holdouts of that sort of like you know you got to lose before you can win or weird <laughs> attitudes. We're like, what yeah. are you talking about? Like you know, but no, I think you're right. For the most part, I think people have grown up. He had that. He now. had that. Wilbon had that crazy rant that gets played all the time about um, uh, being like toughen up or whatever when he's talking about how if he. He was talking about Degrom or someone, um, and he, if who, who wasn't who was getting like one point six runs of support, and someone else was getting like oh, four right. point, and he and right. he was just like, "Be a man! Like you got to you got to toughen up and be a man and win the game. The only thing that matters is winning the game." And whoever he's talking to is like, "What are you talking about? Like, no, he's not scoring any runs. He's like, you, he's like they're only scoring one run." He goes, "Then you, then you got to hold him to zero. <laughs> I, I, I love how on that show, Wilbon manages to somehow make Tony Kornheiser seem like an innocent millennial, like a super yes. open minded, like, man, he loves statistics. And it's like, no, it's really just this one guy has some really like, uh, some, I don't know, yeah. some, some, some old school thoughts there. All right. So each of you guys, uh, let's start with you, Alan. Uh, what is one fire Joe Morgan story that stands out in your mind. There's gotta be one that like just sort of pops into your, into your mind. A uh, story like peace on the thing. I mean, yeah, peace. God, they really, <laughs> God, <laughs> you might find this hard to believe they blur together. <laughs> because yeah. We uh, wrote a million about the game. I, I think one, one, one person I wrote about a lot was Bill Plaschke, who I think still works at the LA times, but uh, sure he does. Um, 
it was a lot of Bill Plasky writing about Juan Pierre. And I think that was like, <laughs> it was, I, I, I literally, I, I don't know these numbers off the top of my head, but I, I just did pull up his baseball reference page because I remember being so angry about Juan Pierre. Um, he had a lot of years where his OPS plus hovered around 70 something. And so uh, Bill Plaschke would write, that's bad for people who don't know. Uh, yeah. Bill Plaschke would write these hosannas and these, these sort of uh, homages to Juan Pierre, what seemed like weekly. <laughs> like he would talk about how important Juan Pierre was to winning and all this. You know, it, it, it's really, uh, it, it drove me crazy. And, you know, I, we were in LA and, and, and I would read the LA Times and he, he honestly would write about Juan Pierre like every day. So I, I think between him and the, and the David X. Eckstein, Eckstein, Eckstein stuff. Um, that that those were the two. I mean, those were two of the hugest guys that people got like overrated incredibly. And I think it's because you know they're fast and they're fun. And they're stealing bases and they're scrappy or whatever. But um, God, it was it just just awful. Just remembering I, those pieces. I specifically, I remember you, Yang, uh, writing so many times about how many outs Juan Pierre made every year. Like that was because he never walked and and he led off for a pretty good offense and he would have like. You know, seven hundred and sixty-five at bats, and he would so he would have like a hundred and you know eighty-five hits, and then like five hundred and thirty outs or whatever. He was like setting the baseball record for outs. Like he was very yeah. close to setting the record for outs. Like this guy's not good. He's just getting a lot of at bats. And I, I also remember I don't even know who wrote this joke, but there was some joke about David Eckstein and, and and how small he was. Like every time we wrote about David Eckstein, we would write we would make his size smaller. And yeah. eventually, was like you know he's you know he's three inches tall and he uses a candy cane as a bat. It's like amazing that I don't know who wrote that note, but but like it's amazing this guy. Like he, how is he getting any hits? <laughs> Mike, what do you remember? What's the one? Um, it's probably the superbike racing one. Uh, right. This guy, uh, someone sent to me this to Dave's point about like people sending in their local ar- ar- articles. This guy named Mike Seat of the Pittsburgh Gazette, I guess, wrote an article about uh, where he was. Com- he was specifically he had a very specific mission, and it's very hard to explain. And if you read the piece, I, I spend most of the piece trying to make sense of what he's even trying to argue. <laughs> But he was basically complaining about Pirates fans for not sticking by their team in times where they were not successful on the field. And then he compared them to fans of his favorite sport, which was superbike racing, a sport that does not in any way exist. And uh, and then he just made up for the purposes of the article. And it was one of those things where, like, I read it and was laughing so hard at this article, it was so crazy, such a crazy hot stance to take. Uh, and I wrote the entire piece. It's not super long, but I wrote the entire thing in like 15 minutes and I never hit the delete button one single time. Like it just, it flowed out of me like I was the emperor and lightning was coming out of my fingertips. Uh, and and then I just hit send. And it, I remember thinking like, well, now it's over. Now we got to just quit because I, <laughs> if I like if we're at the point where we're writing, I'm writing articles attacking a guy for saying that he thinks that super bike racing fans are better fans than pirates fans. Like we're, we're at the bottom of the, of the, of the list here of things that you can write about in the world. It is, it is an absolute classic. By the way, I typed in um, Juan Pierre's name uh, into, uh, into the, uh, into the search thing. So you can still go to firejoemorgan.com and uh, you'll be blown away by the graphics. And, and I mean, it's just, uh, <laughs> But you, but I type in Juan Pierre into the thing, and literally, like 
500 junior columns came up, <laughs> which, is, like, which, man. Is, which is wonderful. Uh, I, I, I just happened to open it up to this part where uh, he, he quotes Bill Plaschke saying, Dodgers Juan Pierre is right where he belongs, to which uh, you responded, I would argue that Pierre would better belong in the cast of the movie Gosford Park. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I like that. I stand by that. Wow. That's great. <laughs> you know what's cool? I have to say this is this sort of happened organically uh, over the course of writing the blog, but we each had a, like a beat. We we became without yeah, I was without, say, what... without ever like talking about it. We each developed we were like reporters who had been put on specific beats. Like Yang was on the Plashki LA Times Juan Pierre beat. <laughs> I was on the Mike Selizik beat and I, and I covered Joe Morgan had a weekly chat on ESPN and I did that. <laughs> Yang, Yang, you were on what beat? What did you have? You were on like McCarver a lot. What else did you do? You had a specific thing you wrote about all the time. Yeah. I, I, I it, it, it's, you know, it was a lot of LA stuff. I think McCarver too. I, I, I don't know, but it, yeah, it was, uh, <laughs> I was going to joke when you said, uh, Joe, that you searched for Juan Pierre, the results was, uh, Alan Yang's wasted twenties. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's an entire decade of writing about something that doesn't hold up and no one should read now. And no think, one cares about. Think yeah. how many extraordinary movies would be have you would yeah. have made had it not been for Juan Pierre. <laughs> Dave, what was your beat? What was what what would you say was your number one uh your number one target? Um that's a good question. Well, I mean the story I by the way, I would do occasionally Hockey stuff, which nobody wanted to <laughs> read about, <laughs> because I like hockey. Um, and then I guess I would, I would try like a lot of Red Sox-based stuff, just because I knew them pretty well. And so, like local Boston writers. Although Yang got Shaughnessy the best, I think of anyone. Yeah. Um, but the piece that I remember, I'd, I've had a chance to look it up since um, uh, since you asked. Also, was um, about Kurt Schilling. This guy who I totally forgot, his name is Tom Singer. What happened was he wrote an article. Oh, is he a friend of yours or something? I'm sorry. (laughs) Okay. I know. I I I feel bad. (laughs) Like, why am I? This is 14 years ago, and I got to drag this guy's name (laughs) through the money. (laughs) But anyway, what happened was Kurt Schilling set the record or approached the record, I'm not sure, of like the longest innings without giving up an unearned run streak, which is a pretty meaningless statistic. And this guy, Tom Singer wrote this long article about like, here's the reason why this happens. Kurt Schilling, like a lot of pitchers, when they give up an error, that's an excuse for them to just sort of like give up and let the inning get away from them. The next time there's a defensive lapse behind Kurt Schilling, it was basically like, look into his eyes and watch his (laughs) steely resolve. Here's what he says, actually. (laughs) <laughs> He'll climb the hill purposefully, looking for the sign with a determined squint, and make his subsequent pitches with an extra grunt. <laughs> and basically, I was like, this seems crazy. It's probably just like he gets a lot of strikeouts and there's a ground ball. Like, he doesn't give a lot of, up a lot of runs in general. <laughs> right. I did a full retro sheet analysis, and there were basically like, four errors behind him that weren't his own (laughs) like he had committed three errors himself and then he got like you know a double play and then a couple strikeouts most of them were with two outs anyway it was like you've seen this happen enough that you could say that he grunts every time (laughs) like what are you talking about um but i do think also that's one of those things where like it's 
totally possible that an editor says, hey, we need an article about this oh, sure. stupid unearned run. And, you know, <laughs> and I'm sure Tom Singer has got kids and everything. And I feel bad. And I hope he's <laughs> Not so how I feel about Kurt Schilling. Fuck that. <laughs> uh, sorry. I swear. The, the, one that, the one that stands out for me, I've told Mike this before, the one that stands out for me. And again, to be fair, these everybody does have editors and editors ask them to do uh, stories. But <clears throat> but somebody from MLB.com uh, did a story when the uh, Cubs were playing the Dodgers and uh, and Tory was managing the Dodgers and Lou Pinella was managing oh, the Cubs. Oh, yeah. This? this was a good one. <laughs> <laughs> and the story was... Who are Yankee fans rooting for? Right, Cubs Dodgers. It was like the Cubs Dodgers, which like which that year was like a really interesting series. I remember it was like there was a lot of drama. Cubs hadn't won a series in forever. Dodgers were kind of clawing their way back, and then the MLB writer was like, "Okay, but who are Yankee fans rooting for?" Because Tori's on one side and Pinella is on the other side, and the and the, and the it made me it made my blood boil because Pinella is not a no, thought of as a Yankee. Like he played <laughs> nope. for the Yankees. No one cares that he played for the Yankees. He was the manager of the 116 win Mariners and won a world series as the manager of the 1990 Reds. Like nobody in the world was like, Oh, Lou Pinella, there's our Yankees angle. Like that's so crazy. And then the, and, and then the, the craziest thing about it was like, he went out and found, a handful of Yankee fans and just was like, well, so who are, who are you rooting for? And it, almost every single one of them was like, I mean, I don't really care. <laughs> like, I don't, I, I don't, I maybe that guess I love Tory, but I don't, it doesn't really matter. But so like person after person, like openly essentially challenges his angle on the story and he just ignores them and plows ahead. And it was so long. The story was like, he just oh. kept going and going. And you were like, well, what un interesting thing did he say next? You know? Yeah. But the thing that, that, that stood out for me about that, because, you know, there's so many, the names of the people that he found. So you might remember this, uh, the names of the, so first he found a woman uh, who you said is a name that uh, sounds like it was made up by Jackie Mason in the 1960s because it was Miriam Pinto. So, so, so. Sure, Miriam Pinto, sure. yeah. Miriam Pinto. And then you said, but what about people with names that are bad parodies of Italian-American soprano styles goombas? Uh, and then he talked to somebody named Savino Stallone. Of course, yeah, from Savino Stormville, Stallone. New York. You got <laughs> you to ask Savino Stallone what he thinks. But, but the craziest thing of all was there was somebody else there who we talked to and you you um you you mentioned you know you said you know that whatever he said was pretty uninteresting and unimportant but his name was Pat Bostonia and you didn't even make fun of the name his name was actually Bostonia You're kidding I missed it I missed the joke Oh no I got to go back and rewrite it Yang get my old login because I forgot it. Blog again. Just start it all over. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, we got a bunch of people who uh, I don't know why they they have questions for you guys. They have uh, fire Joe Morgan questions. So we're going to throw some questions at you here. Uh, this one you've heard a million times, but we'll ask you anyway. Go ahead and get it out of the way. Did Joe Morgan himself? Keith wants to know. Did Joe Morgan ever reach out to you during the blog run? That's Keith Law, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he did not, right? We 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 concluded at some point that he was unaware, I think, of its existence, right? Didn't we? He he wrote I me, mean, said, Love what you guys are doing. Keep it up. <laughs> Funny say. Funny stuff. 
we, 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 we did we always yeah we always but did hey. we always regretted that it was called yeah. that and again put zero thought into it and and <laughs> it was called that just because he was the most famous uh commentator on the like flagship broadcast of you know espn sunday night baseball but like it's it, it still kind of bums me out because he really wasn't even though he did that weekly chat and we tore him apart every week even though he did say a lot of really dumb stuff, <laughs> there were certain there were other people that we probably hit more than him. Even yeah, right? yeah, like, it could have been it could have been McCarver, Mike Salzik, or Plashke, or any you know there were ten guys that we wrote about all the time. So yeah, it just also it also should have just been all, like, yeah. called awful announcing, basically, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, a, it was another rule of, yeah. <laughs> a decent rule might be to not name anything after someone else in a mean way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Um, look, look, I got to say, I mean, I've heard you say this before. We've talked about this before, but look, Joe Morgan's a Hall of Fame baseball player, one of the greatest baseball players who ever lived. He'd said a lot of bad stuff on the end. I mean, it was it's not it's not like he wasn't a pretty good centerpiece for this for this thing. I mean, you would not listen to a broadcast. I mean, you want to talk about the ultimate. This guy's a gamer. It's all about heart. And that was, yes. that yeah. was basically every yeah. every broadcast. I mean, he. I remember thinking that the reason it was fair, if it was fair, is because of that piece. It, was it Tommy Craig? Somebody wrote that article. Oh, um, yeah. San where they, yeah, in the in the Chronicle, right? Where they where he no, went and the, the weekly. Yeah. Oh, really? And yeah. he went and like talked to him. And that that piece where he basically is like, why don't you why aren't you interested in the idea that there's stuff to learn. And it was all that, like, I played the game. A computer can't tell me anything. Like, all right. those quotes right. came out of the, came out of, like, we're all, like, jammed into one article. And I remember reading that and being like, okay. Like, it's it's not it's not great. It's a little mean or something that we named the whole site after the guy. But also, like, he is that guy, like, for better or worse. Yeah, I think he's a centerpiece. I, I think it's okay. All right, River Tam wants to know, David Eckstein, uh, why is he being snubbed by Hall of Fame voters? <laughs> that's a good, that's a great a question. sarcastic gentleman <laughs> that does was he a... get votes like serious question what is he is he he can't be still on the ballot is no, no like, he is no. not no, yeah. no i wonder if he right. did did he get any votes when he was eligible we should, i don't we should... did he actually i mean i assume he did play 10 years did he actually play long enough yeah. to get on the ballot i'm not sure you know what i'm uh, gonna I look mean, it up now, by the way curious if he got i just searched david Eckstein hof vote first link the hall of fame case david Eckstein from mlb.com there you no go. way <laughs> two votes two votes for david Eckstein in 2016 it was dave and allen winner yeah. <laughs> it was the fun. guy who asked the question yeah um another one of my favorite pieces i'm just remembering now was was when he was on the padres like late in his career somebody wrote an article that was like david Eckstein is underrated and the and the our internal like dialogue narrative about Exxon had shifted from stop saying that he's good because he's not to like stop saying he's underrated. <laughs> and the proof that he's not underrated is the piece is David Exxon underrated gets written like five thousand times a year. And so by definition, he can't be underrated because you keep writing about him. And at the time, Adrian Gonzalez was on the Padres and nobody cared about the Padres at all. And Gonzalez was putting up like thousand OPS seasons in that in Petco. <laughs> Which or even the stadium they played in, whatever the one was, Qualcomm or whatever before Petco, in a stadium that killed offense, and it was like there is actually a guy on this team who's incredibly underrated, and and you're writing about the one guy who you definitively can't say is actually underrated because you keep writing about him because and saying he's underrated, it drove me nuts. 
Let me just say, by the way, just, just, I mean, not that it matters at this point, you know, look, everybody, if you're on the ballot, you're, you were obviously a, a, a terrific player who played a long time in the major leagues. He got two votes. Troy Gloss, who was really twice the player, got zero votes. See, I, that's, 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 that's yeah, that's crazy. I'm going to um, just say Epstein that. was a World Series MVP, guys. Let's just, let's not, let's not just blow past this. Wasn't look, Gloss? He might have been. <laughs> Didn't he, wasn't he the MVP of the 2000? Am I making that up? At, oh no! It was Scott Spezia, right? Or no, oh, maybe it was maybe Gloss. Right. I don't know. Let's but uh, the that he, he was Exting was the MVP was, largely because was it Curtis Granderson who fell down on that like little fly ball <laughs> yes. double that he hit at a key moment? Like he was the MVP because another dude fell down. That series was so forgettable. By the way, uh, that's the like worst. One of the most, but by the way, David Eckstein, great guy. I mean, like actually, like sort of gets in on the joke about David Eckstein. So I so I think that he gets points for that, doesn't he? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, he was. He, remember, he made didn't he? Make make an ad that was like for there was like f- sort of firing back at us where he was from a law firm called like <laughs> called like yeah oh, that right. sounds familiar yeah i think he was working at mlb at the time and he like made an yeah. ad that you that was like kind of making fun of like babip or something it was crazy just, it was, yeah crazy yeah for All the right. record Troy Glass won the World Series MVP in 2002. I just See, Troy Glass. All right, there you go. It's Gl- Gloss, Gloss. Yes, I'm planning, I'm, I'm, I found, sorry, not to interrupt. Uh, David Eckstein filmed a very inside baseball ad for the fake law firm from Parks and Recreation, <laughs> dated October 25th, 2013. Anyone who's a baseball fan and a Parks and Recreation fan may have seen a few uh, Easter eggs. <laughs> Creator Mike Schur and writer Alan Yang, formerly around the whatever, whatever, whatever. whatever but yeah, he did a fake ad that uh, has him in front of a sign that says "Law Offices it's of Babnik, Dakota, Vorp, and Eckstein, Attorneys at Law," which was a prop in Parks and Rec. So, did, right. you guys, did you did you guys see that as an Easter egg? By the way, or do you, do you, do you guys look at Easter eggs? I mean, yeah, that, like a, that was an yeah. Easter egg. That was like, I mean, we that that I think Murray pitched that joke. Matt Murray, um, I I was like, it should be all these dumb baseball terms, and then Murray pitched that the end of it is Eckstein, which was perfect. Yeah, uh, but like, I yeah, that was definitely an of, uh, of, of uh, possible mental illness on all our parts. <laughs> Very crazy. <laughs> Very crazy to put in the, in the television show. It went watched by millions. <laughs> all right. Sean wants to know if you guys started Fire Joe Morgan today, who is it named after and why is it Harold Reynolds? <laughs> Okay, there. Oh, man. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. I don't even think you want to walk there and there. But yes, it would be named after Harold. I mean, you know, that's just. That's if it just... were named after a person. But I think we've already said we wouldn't name it after no, a person, right? No, you would you would name it Awful Announcing, even though that's already a site. Yeah. Um, It would be a cool app that you download. Oh, it wouldn't yeah. even be a site. Oh, I like that. Yeah. I like would... that. And it would be worth would be- $30 billion. <laughs> <laughs> we would raise tons of money and we'd get A-list stars to be on it. We'd be disrupting the journalism industry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Boffles wants to know that this is more uh, specific for you, Mike. Has anyone checked in on Mike after the Mookie news? Um, yeah. I almost uh, logged in today as Mookie, and then I changed it to John Henry. Yeah, you uh, logged in as John Henry. <laughs> I mean, by the way, this is a question for all three of us because we're all Red Sox fans. You're all Red Sox fans. So let's yeah. let's break it down. Let's let's actually uh, explain what happened. I mean, for those that don't know, obviously everybody knows. But uh, so it looks like it's not finalized, right? But it looks like Mookie Betts and the Dodgers are going to uh, sign a uh, 12-year uh, extension for, what, $350, 400000000 million? That's what they're talking about. It's more than Trout um, got. 
more than Trout got. Yeah. Yeah. yeah which is, which is, uh, more years, but more total money than Trout got. Yeah. But it's more years. I don't think per year it's not more, right? Per no, year, no. It's, per it's, year, Trout's still, yeah. Still but, there. But yeah. still, but still more money. It's still a ton of money. 12 years. Uh, and of course, the, the everybody knows, uh, particularly Red Sox fans know that, uh, uh, the Red Sox let him go because they said he was going to go into free agency anyway, and and there was no way to sign him. So as Red Sox fans, uh, all right, this leaves a mark, right? I mean, how do you feel? <laughs> I, I don't know what else. I don't know what else to tell you other than God, that's bad, bad stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's the worst. It's uh, I mean, the, the, there's one variable that could save Red Sox ownership, I think, which is that we don't totally know and probably never will whether the this weird shortened covid related season in his walk year changed his mind right it's possible that he said to john henry i'm i'm going to free agency like no matter what it's done deal and then at that point they were like okay well then we'll trade you and then once he got to the dodgers and the season was cut down to a third of what it uh, usually is that he changed his mind. It was like, you know what? Now I want security. Now I just yeah, want possible. the lock. I, it, that, that is a possibility. But yeah, regardless. Look, it's gonna be a, to be fair, know. let's just say that right up front. To be fair, uh, you don't want to be out there at the end of this season, right? You do not want to be out there as a free agent. At the end of the year, there's only one year left on the on the uh, agreement uh, with the players. It's going to be very tough to get a long-term deal at the end of the year. So, yeah, that is possible. Right. Now, he may continue. have been he may have looked at the landscape and thought like, well, I'm going to have to do that thing that guys do sometimes, which is like sign a one year deal for 20 million bucks or whatever and try to like have a great year and then go into free agency again. And maybe he just didn't want to do that, whatever the reason or or maybe he was never going to sign in Boston, which is which <laughs> right. is also possible. We've talked about that possibility, too. The 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 all of those like details aside, it just stinks. I mean, I'm happy he's out here. We get the three of us get to go watch him if we want to. Right. Um, which is great, but like it, he, again, I, he's my favorite Red Sox. He and Ortiz and Pedro are in this kind of like class by themselves in terms of guys that we loved watching. And now, uh, and, and now the story is going to be when he goes into the hall of fame, he'll be wearing a Dodger cap and it just kind of stinks. Like there's no way around it. It just sucks. Yeah. I, I kind of feel like, you know, again, and I, I told this to, to the guys before I got on this, uh, Take my opinion with a huge grain of salt because I've watched so little baseball over the last five years that I probably don't know what I'm talking about. But I will say this: <laughs> the you know I think the argument against signing him to a massive deal like this uh, is basically players his size tend to not necessarily age great, and you know one of the only exceptions, ironically, is Joe Morgan, who who still you know played you know right. decently well at age 33 sure. or so, and and, sure. and may, maybe Ichiro, but although Ichiro was taller than Mookie Betts, but. Um, you know, that aside, I kind of fall in Mike's camp where it's like, look, you have this player who's a borderline generational talent and, you know, he comes up in your organization and he's by all accounts, a great guy, an awesome leader in the clubhouse. And just like, you know, probably every young Red Sox fans favorite player. And why not lock that guy up? It might be an overpay, overpay certainly at the end of the deal, but why, it's almost like, and, and this is so funny coming from people like us who are so sort of analytical towards the game and sort of like, you know, measuring people by their, you know, statistics and their, their contract value. But for me, it's at a certain point, like, you know, why are you even, what is a team? What is an organization? Like, what do you, you know, like, what is the definition? Obviously, you want to win the most games possible. But when it comes to a guy like this, 
um, I think, you know, I would lean towards being a little bit, little bit loose with them, looser with the money and just locking him up. But, it, you know, it's a shame. And I think, you know, Red Sox fans are probably rightfully bummed because it's also like, what did they get for that money? You know, they, they signed Chris Sale and they, they signed Eovaldi. And it's like, you don't, you know, some of that money could have just gone to bets. Do you yeah. mean um, Red Sox 2020 opening day starter Nathan Evaldi? <laughs> yeah, I so challenge crazy. you guys to name the other four starters, which is so <laughs> crazy. It's like Eduardo Rodriguez is the ace and he's hurt. <laughs> he's, he had COVID. He's not even that he's hurt. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Dave? Oh, it's just so sad. Yeah. It's it's what just – that's what it is. Like, to me, ultimately, is like – I mean, Yang sort of said this, like you can argue about should they have or shouldn't they have. But ultimately, as a fan, you're just broken hearted, homegrown talent or at least drafted by the Sox. You know, also, like, let's be real, like he's a black dude and the Sox have a weird history with that stuff. And he was like the everybody loved him. He He had a cool name. He had attitude like kids loved him. He was the guy. And you just wanted him to be around as long as possible. It's just a bummer in every way. And like, yeah, you just sort of like wonder at what point they, you know, they're going to lose some fans over this or like they're going to lose some goodwill with the fans. And that's, you know, the ownership and the team. And it's just like, it's just sad. You just wanted to win watch him play it's a bummer it's a it's it really is i mean it's a bummer for me i mike and i have this short list of players who we think should you know i mean if at all possible should stay with the same team their whole careers like there's a there's a certain number of of players who are are those generational talents who you know kids do grow up idolizing and and teams should do everything in their power it's like cleveland should do everything in its power to uh to keep francisco lindor there forever yeah but, but here's the thing, like Cleveland won't because Cleveland, right. you know, whether they do have the money or don't, they'll tell you they don't have the money. That's not a Boston like excuse. That's not like a no. legitimate thing. And I, I'm sorry. I mean, I don't know. Obviously, we don't know. And Mike's <clears throat> scenarios are very possible that one, they did offer him, you know, huge money. And he he basically, you know, said, I'm going to become free agent and, and change his mind based on on what's going on. That's very possible. Two, it's possible that he didn't want to be in Boston. I mean, that is that is very possible. But it's possible they just absolutely just kind of kept talking around the money, you know, and kept sort of kept sort of like, you know, oh, we're going to, you know, we'll offer you 200 million or whatever it was and did not make an offer similar to what the Dodgers just did. And if they had, they might still have him. And 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 that to me is, if you're a Red Sox fan, um, you know, that's it's it's that's unforgivable. An, that right? scenario is unforgivable. Yeah, that's what it really yeah. is. And and the other thing is that you know when you say like it's a business, you know, which is the phrase that everyone goes back to in moments like this. It's like yes, it is. It's a business that John Henry paid seven hundred and thirty million for right. uh, in two thousand two. That is now worth what four billion yeah, probably. Yeah, four billion dollars. And yeah. and it's and that's one of his businesses. Another business he has is Liverpool, which just celebrated their first Premier League title in thirty years. That business he bought for I don't know how much, but it's now doubled in value. Like there, the it is a business, but it's a business that is a no lose business. Right. Like the the ownership of there's not a single person 
Steve Ballmer bought the Clippers for two point two billion a couple of years ago. It's already they're already worth like four billion. Like the, when you are in this business, you are in the business of making money whether you want to or not. Oh, There's... we should have bought the Clippers. <laughs> <laughs> I we thought about. I just forgot. I I put it in my calendar and I just woke up and oh, forgot. Sh- and Ballmer bought it. It's but a, yeah, it's a no lose proposition. Like he, but, they have all the money in the world. Yeah, and and on that sort of cross sports comparison, I remember very distinctly, kind of a you know not exactly similar situation because he was on his last legs. But I remember when the Lakers extended Kobe Bryant and they did so with a two year, $48 million contract when he was in his mid thirties. And it was, you know, on the face of it, not a good deal because he was no longer producing at that level, a superstar level. And at the time I was mad because it was, you know, sort of the, our, our ethos and and related to fire Joe Morgan was very much money balls. Like you can't, you shouldn't pay someone, you know, double their, their production on the, on the court. But honestly, in retrospect, I was probably wrong because you pay that guy, whatever it takes to keep him on the team because he's an LA icon and he's the face of your franchise. And he's started playing for you when he was 18 years old and he won five championships. And I, I gotta say, you know, a couple years later, I can't imagine it hurt the Lakers team reputation and franchise reputation. And as an organization, when LeBron was like, well, should I go to LA? It's like, yeah, they took care of Kobe. You know, they, t- they take care of their players and they're extremely yeah. loyal. I don't know if it's a zero or a, you know, a 0.1% difference. Maybe he just wanted to go to LA anyway, but it's a, it's generally a place that, 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 that takes care of its players. You know, you can and also it, go it, like, go to like Dwayne Wade, right? Dwayne, they, they let Wade go and then he bounces around in Chicago and wherever else he went and then he comes back to the heat and like the stadium is rocking and yeah. like they're selling tons of jerseys of like Dwayne Wade and they have an entire season dedicated to Dwayne Wade and like he hit a couple game winning shots that year and it like people went bananas and it's like it's that is worth it like i don't care what the cost is if you are a, a cruise ship billionaire and you're going to like lose, you know, 18 million bucks or something. Who cares? Like yeah. the long-term value of having Dwayne Wade in Miami is enormous. The long-term value of having Kobe in LA is enormous. And like those are guys who weren't even good players at the time that those extensions were sold as a uh, made as opposed to Mookie who is entering the prime of what will be a Hall right. of Fame career unless something goes terribly wrong. And so, like you, uh, like, is it a, is it? Are you going to be over the luxury tax again? Yeah, you will. And then after next year, you'll you can get out of it next year. Like you can you can find a bunch of other dudes to trade. Like David Price, <laughs> you could trade David Price next year. Like I, I you know, it's it kind of makes the, you sorry. No, go ahead. I was just gonna say it just kind of makes you feel at the end of the day like the owner is not a fan of the team. And like yeah. with the buses, you feel, you've always felt like as much as I dislike the Lakers you feel like the buses love the Lakers, you know, you feel like whoever, and I'm sure like John Henry, whatever, like, you know, can wax about the history of the Red Sox, but you just kind of go like, well, don't you want to see him play for the Red Sox forever? Like pony up, man. (laughs) Yeah. 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 No, I think that's right. I think the, I think the, the Kobe uh, comparison is good on this. I mean, it's different. Obviously, for for all those reasons that that he was at the end, and the Lakers were not going to be very good no matter what they did, and and uh, and uh, and and Mookie's entering his prime and is going to be a a great player for you know several more years for sure. Um, so it's different in those ways, but in the other way, I mean, I think beyond the value, beyond what it says to other people, 
what it says to your fans. And look, yeah. I, you know, I mean, it's just it, for two years, that was the only reason to go see Lakers basketball, right? Was, was Kobe, right? To go see Kobe at the, well, and to see the dysfunction, but to see Kobe uh, play <laughs> and, and be able to tell people that you saw Kobe Bryant play. I mean, that was, that was the reason to go. And, and the, the thing about this thing that they, that people forget all the time, it's not like if they didn't sign Kobe, they were going to be any good. And they were just going to be bad without Kobe. So I, <laughs> I, I just think, I think they, people miss that point all the time that, that what you say to your fans by the moves you make, I mean, what you say to your fans as a Red Sox owner who does not sign Mookie Betts is there's a limit how much I'm willing to do for this team. Right. Exactly. And, yeah. It's sort of, you, you know, that. it's sort of like that. I don't know who said it originally, but that like, to paraphrase that quote that's become popular in politics, it's like, show me your budget and I'll show you your values, you know, like it's yeah. ultimately you could say whatever you want, but are you going to allocate your resources towards the things which people want or not? Can you imagine if Kobe Bryant's last game where he scored 60 points, if he did that in a Memphis Grizzlies uniform oh. at FedEx <laughs> forum in front of like 8,000 people? <laughs> they go, no. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that actually would have been, uh, yeah, the worst, the absolute worst. All right. Michael wants to know why don't the words predicted and indicted rhyme? There you go. Wait, say it again. The word predicted P R E D I C T E D Uh and indicted I N D I C T E D. Why don't they rhyme? (laughs) I'm guessing they have different roots. Uh, from two different languages and also like plow and tough don't rhyme there's a lot of words that don't rhyme yeah if this is his, if this is his first day speaking english he's gonna have a rude awakening he, the more this guy starts talking and reading it's gonna be tough for him that zach wants to know that is a weird one no we we have a few weird ones here zach wants to know who is the grittiest guy still looking for a job and why is it scooter to Jeanette, and why can't he get signed He's very gritty. Um, <laughs> he is gritty. We should ask Alan, who who doesn't really watch baseball anymore, his thoughts on Scooter Jeanette. Just uh, hands on his name. And, and First, have, Scooter. Do you know who he is? And if not, just give us your scouting report on him anyway. <laughs> I have no idea who he is, and uh, I hope that he played college football or hockey, and I hope that he's uh, <laughs> maybe a white gentleman. <laughs> <laughs> and uh maybe has some stubble maybe he has piercing blue eyes i don't know but <laughs> i feel like it's a lunch pail guy who just really you know again knows his way around the diamond knows uh, knows how to win and, and is the ultimate teammate and he's just a gamer out there and and, and you know he's always hustling and, and when you know when you when he you know when he runs from third to home he's just not afraid to put his body in there and just put his put himself at risk and his teammates know that he'd uh you know he'd get hit by a truck by them for them he'd run through a wall so you know it's just when you talk about scooter you just talk <laughs> okay am i done <laughs> yeah, um great. based on that was great uh, you pretty much nailed it just based on his name alone do you think he does all the little things that you have to do to win? That'd I think he does all that and more, and he's giving 110% every time he's yeah. out there. And then okay. ser- another question would be, take a while, take a guess what team he played for most recently. I'm, I'm, I wonder if you can get this. There is a, it, the answer does make sense. Oh, wow. And it's, it's not well, no, the it, Yankees? It's, <laughs> <laughs> and the reason we're talking about him isn't that he was on the Yankees? It doesn't really make sense. In other words, you can't discern it from his name. But like when you hear the answer, you will, you'll go I'll like, oh, it. yeah. 
I'll love it. Well, if this were if this were the early two thousand, it'd be like the Twins or the White Sox. But who is it? It's that's those are both good guesses. Uh, <laughs> but no, he uh, he played for the Cincinnati Reds uh, most recently. Right. Yeah. He played for the Giants last year, but he played for the Reds. And the great thing is, is that um, I believe wasn't he born in Cincinnati? Yes, he was. Yeah, he, he was, was born in Cincinnati good. and played that for helps. the Reds. He yeah, played for a new Charlie Hustle. Yeah, it's a yeah, exactly. <laughs> but but I want to say something about Scooter Jeanette because there's there are a couple of other great things about him, including the fact that we invented a stat based entirely on him for no reason at all. Um, one, his name is Scooter, and he's very slow. He is not fast. Oh at no! All. Oh yeah, he's incredibly <laughs> slow. And and this is you have to be you have to be real inside. Scooter Jeanette hit four home runs in a game, in a single <laughs> game. A, wow! Scooter that's, Jeanette. That's a good yeah. example of doing all the little things right. It's just like. <laughs> contribute in any little way you can advance the runners hit four home runs just like <laughs> it's the kind of that's honestly the kind of thing that doesn't show up in the box score that's it right. doesn't it really doesn't show up in the box another score. another great thing about scooter Jeanette is that in uh 2019 um he was paid uh 9.775 million dollars and had a negative one war <laughs> oh my god <laughs> I just I just remembered the phrase clogging up the base paths in a minute. Yes. Yes. You mean getting on base to score? What what one of one of the many great things that Dusty Baker has brought to the world was the the famous clogging up the base paths yeah. quote. Wasn't um, it about Frank Thomas? I thought he said it about Frank Thomas. Think, or maybe we just said it about Frank Thomas. I think everybody should say it about Frank Thomas. Let's just be honest about that. Um all right. So this is an argument we've been having on on Twitter. Uh, so I'll just ask each of you. It's just very simple. What is the most overrated base? Hmm. Sexually. <laughs> what? <laughs> I, I don't know where to go with that. Oh, All right. Sorry. Um, <laughs> the uh, most overrated base? Yeah, I'm hmm. just going to tell you. It's it's third base. The answer is third base. Third base is the most overrated base. So I, it's that's. There's no other answer. why though. It's fun when someone's on third. It's like a it's like a treat. It's like a rare treat, and people are never on third base. Like it's almost <laughs> everyone's on first. Most people are on second. It's very rare. Like because guys score from second on hits, it's so rare that yeah. someone's standing on third. I think third is the coolest base. Hot it evokes the triple. It evokes the triple. It evokes the right? triple. Which of course, is, yeah. Yeah. Which is yeah. Very exciting. It's it's. I kind of think first base is the most. I overrated. do too. I think first wow. is the most overrated. Wow. It just feels so pedestrian and like there's so much attention put on it. I mean, there's so many cutaways to first base, whereas second and third don't get nearly that attention. Yeah. And you can and only really, and, what are you going to do? Yeah. <laughs> you're just standing there. Second, you're like leading off. You're stealing signs like a pickoff yeah. play at second is way more exciting than a pickoff play at first. No, like, but, it, but the second base pickoff play leads to people yelling balk all the time. <laughs> <laughs> which is brutal. This is a complete waste of time for everybody. The third base thing bugs me because people who get there, they think they were born there. Right? That's that's the whole third okay. base. Okay. So, yeah. I'm just saying I think third base is most overrated. I think you're crazy. This is a terrible take from you. <laughs> Alan, you're not jumping in on our on our on our base overrated I mean, base. Uh... First base is like, man, it's lame because it's like you're only one base ahead of you. You might as well be at, at the plate. If you're like, you only made it one base. Who cares? <laughs> Only when you're closer, man. 
What are you like, bragging like, about? Yeah, it's like it's like you, you like you're going you're like on your way to your friend's place. Like, yeah, I just left. It's like, yeah, well, call me when you're when you're here, man. <laughs> Who cares? Are you a quarter of the way here? I don't care. <laughs> That's a pretty. That's a pretty good. That's a pretty good argument. First base is the it's it's the equivalent of the be there in five text when you're actually just getting in the shower before you leave. (laughs) (laughs) And it's also it's also the leading a golf tournament after one round thing. I guess right, right, yeah, Yeah. nobody, nobody, the leader after the first round doesn't win. Come on, (laughs) and nobody cares. All right, what is the hour? All right, this is a good one. What is the hour? Uh, the West Coast time hour, the hour on the West Coast where it feels like it's the furthest away from the East Coast. Ooh. So, huh. yeah. So this is the, the, the hour of day when the West Coast and East Coast seem furthest apart based on the on the time difference. I would say like 5 p.m. Yeah. That's kind of where I would go, where it's like it's still light here. It's dark on the East Coast. The games have started on the East Coast. That's my first instinct. Yeah, like, like when, when there's like a baseball playoff game on the East Coast yes. and, it's, and it starts at 8 and you're watching it at 5, it feels very different. It's either 5 or like 4 because there's also like the 4 o'clock, um, you know, uh, like, or I'm sorry, 5 or like or like 10 a.m. Because that's when, like, it's morning here, but football is starting on the well, on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that like is that weird. that makes you feel weird. But the I fo- think the, it's got to be yeah. light and dark. It's, it's got to be light, light and dark. But but the the football thing is so weird. Like, I, you know, I spent a lot of time on the West Coast, and then when I went to the East Coast, it's like football's on it. Football goes at like night. It's so football starts at one. This is crazy. I'm so used to starting at ten. I kind of like it starting at ten. It's just going all day, you know. Yeah, and then it's done at a time when you can still like salvage some of your day if you want to. If you want to like go outside, you can still go outside and do something. Or you yeah. just put on Sunday night football, and you've just wasted everything. <laughs> Fifteen hours of sports, nothing. It's just like your whole day. You order in, you don't even leave the house. I was thinking eleven a.m. Eastern feels like because like eleven a.m. Eastern, you're on the East Coast, and you feel like wow, we're like halfway through the day. And nobody's even started on the West Coast. Like nobody's even, you know, they're just, it's not, nothing has even begun and you're already like halfway through your day. Well, the other but, thing, I got to say, the other thing about 5 p.m. on the West Coast is like in a normal non-sports day, like primetime TV is starting. So people start oh, tweeting yeah. about like mm-hmm. what that night's episode of Superstore or whatever they're all watching. <laughs> and you're like, it's like five o'clock. Like I'm still like at work. Like, what are you doing? You know? Do you like what, so all of you have done, obviously, uh, Alan, you were, you were, uh, you, you know, grew up on the West coast. The other guys did, but you all had both the East coast and West coast. What's the better time? Wow. That's actually a really good question. You mean like what, which, which time zone would you rather be in? Which time zone would you rather be in? Purely based on time zone. Nothing else. I would way rather be in the West coast time zone. Hmm. I think you like everything like being earlier. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think when I was younger, I, I was, I would rather be in the East coast um, because like you stay up later. That means like things end later. So you stay up later. And on the West coast, now that I have kids, it's way better to have things end earlier so that like, cause I'm tired. <laughs> I want to go to sleep. <laughs> Can I pick the weird zone in, in, on the border of Arizona and Utah where it switches <laughs> back and forth between daylight savings? It's so confusing. I, I, I traveled there once and I flew into an airport called Page Airport. And then like that, I think it's on the border and then you go into Utah and it, some places it's changed and some places it hasn't. 
Or it's like there's a place in Indiana too, right? Like Southeastern yeah, Indiana is also the yeah, same way. They don't abide by daylight savings and you don't know what time it is. Like some <laughs> hotels are going by Arizona time, but they're in Utah. You're like, I don't understand this. <laughs> this is so stupid. It's like it's like a, it's like a crazy hundred year old convention. It's very stupid. <laughs> I, I'd like to check into my hotel now. Now that's sorry. We, you have to wait one hour. <laughs> one hour. You had to, okay. Now you had to have been here an hour ago. What? I don't. <laughs> you've been checked out. You're now. You're now late. We gave your room here. away. Yeah. Okay. Happy New Year. What? This is. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. You know what? We we should end this thing by talking a little bit of oh before we end this thing by talking a little bit about uh, opening day in baseball. Uh. We have an ad. Mike, we have an ad. We have to Great. do one more ad. I totally Great. forgot. Let's for do dugout it. mugs. It's time for dugout mugs. Alan and Dave, have you heard about dugout mugs yet? Uh no. I only drink out of them. They're they're like cups, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh wait, I'm, I just looked them up. That's pretty cool. There's your endorsement. There, <laughs> there, you there go. we go. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> okay. I'm interested. All right, I got some talking points. I could I can choose a few, but I'll make it as authentic as possible. Uh, a company started in a college baseball dugout, hence the name Dugout Mugs. The barrel of a baseball bat is turned into a 12-ounce mug. It is licensed by MLB, your favorite team, laser engraved onto a birchwood baseball bat barrel mug, perfect for the big game to put on display or to be the life of the party. They kept that in. That thing. <laughs> they're, they're still still pushing that life of the party thing for, for the Dugout Mugs. No. Uh, it's a unique gift for baseball fans. You go to dugoutmugs.com slash the athletic and use your promo code MLB 30 to get 30% off your first purchase. Dugoutmugs.com, the athletic code MLB 30 for 30% off. Fill that baseball void with your very own dugout mug today. I have a uh, signed Scott Brocious dugout mug, <laughs> Yankees dugout mug. Well, well, of one of my you most do. prized possessions. One of your most prized possessions. Do they do like a special, like, like, you know, they don't do individual players except for Brocious. Yeah, he's the right? only guy. Yeah, yeah, he's well, he's they they went to every player and tried to license them uh, an agreement, and he's the only one who signed it. So they you can get <laughs> you can get a Brocious uh, a, a Brocious model of any team. It's weird. You can get like a like a, a Pirates Brocious bat. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, by the way, real quick, uh, Dave, this is the this is the chance, man. This is your chance to pitch crossovers. Oh yeah, God, Dave. Dave, Dave has years. Dave had this idea a long time ago. I legit think it's an amazing idea, and I feel like an hour twenty <clears throat> deep into this podcast is the perfect time <laughs> to to put this out there to America. And if anyone wants this idea and they can work it out, you just got to pay. You got Dave's a fifty one percent owner of this company. That's All right. That's right. The basic idea is. Right city, wrong sport jerseys. So you can, so it's like a Larry Bird Bruins jersey. Sure. Or like a John Elway Nuggets jersey. That's basically it. Like a doctor, you can get like a Dr. J Phillies jersey. Like yes. so, it's a Phillies jersey, but it says Doctor J and has and has a number six on it. Like that, it's it's the it's people who want to display fandom for a city sports simultaneously with by crossing over the sports jersey and a and a player from a different sport from the same town. Right, and the, like if you do throwbacks, they would be era appropriate throwbacks. So <laughs> right, I forgot you had you insisted that they be era appropriate. You can't cross eras for some reason. <laughs> 
Well, I think it would be cool if you have so like the Dr. J jersey, Phillies jersey would be like the early '80s Phillies uniform, right? With that like baby blue hat or whatever those colors were. Not a hat, but you, you get it. Yeah, you can't you can't do a, a 2020 Phillies jersey and have Dr. J's number. You can't no, have like a LeBron Cleveland Spiders jersey. It would not be allowed. <laughs> no. Right, correct. Well, I mean, you you can make these just by personalizing jerseys, but this is cool because it's it's called crossovers. <laughs> <laughs> now, 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 do crossovers have to be stars? I mean, could you get like a Robbie Grossman Warriors jersey? I mean, like, could you like pull like obscure <laughs> obscure players from from different teams and just throw them onto somebody else? I like that. That oddly <laughs> feels kind of more in line with the attitude of it, which is like very. I feel like this would be big in markets like Pittsburgh. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Where it's like, first of all, they're all black and yellow, which is cool. You know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah, like the the local hero as opposed to the the big flashy name that the guys from the other cities. Imagine a, a Dave Parker Penguins jersey. Like oh, that, that would, would rule. Amazing. That would David be awesome. Blues jersey. David Eckstein Blues jersey. There, there you go. go. <laughs> <laughs> For, it's for infants. <laughs> I think this is an amazing idea, and I just, you know, people will be reaching out, you know, just their lining. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking for, like, the people at, like, Fanatics or Starter or something, if you could, or <laughs> like, Jordan well, Brand. Okay, okay, they're not listening to this. But, I mean, like, Bob, you know, who, who lives in Dubuque will will definitely reach out. To Dave, if you were on Shark Tank pitching this, what? how much money would you ask for and for what percent of the company? <laughs> I would take fifty dollars for a hundred percent of the company. I just, <laughs> I just wanted to exist, <laughs> and I know that it's a bad idea because you could just do it on your own anyway. Right, and you There's would, but it would be funny. It would be funny to hear to like have the sharks be like, "Do you own a patent?" And you'd be like, "No." And be like, "Do you have any licensing no. agreements with the jerseys?" No. Do you have any? Uh, do you have any contacts at MLB or the NHL? No. Like it's just literally just an idea. <laughs> It's just the and Mark, if I'm being honest, I don't even know what the legality of it is. I don't think I don't think there's a big market for this. But I did have this idea about eighteen years ago and I've been talking about it with my friends radically for the last two decades. I, I'm in, I'll give you fifty dollars for oh, this. All you had to, and you all you need to do is wear an Elvis Andrews Mavericks jersey into the thing. You're sold. Oh, sold. There you go. <laughs> It's done. All right. There's going to be a baseball season, apparently, and there's going to be a basketball season, apparently. And uh, and uh, that's it. How excited are any of you about any of this stuff that might be coming up over the next couple of weeks? Yang? Uh, I'm excited if it's going to happen. I understand the objections to the leagues happening, and I understand those, you know, that there are sort of trade-offs being made. But since they are being played, I will watch. Um, I proved this by watching an exhibition Clippers Magic game on at noon today. <laughs> I put it on in the background, <laughs> and uh, and then I watched part of uh, the Nuggets Wizards, including Manute Bull's son Bull Bull, who looks amazing. <laughs> it was yeah. seven two with a yeah. seven nine standing reach, but. Yeah, I mean, look, I I, I think uh, let's see how they play out. And 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 there was an encouraging round of NBA testing where uh, you know all 300 players got tested and there were no no cases um, of COVID. How is the uh, NBA so much better at this testing thing than MLB uh, is? How is that think, possible? 
I think it comes from the top, and I think Adam Silver is just really i think he might be a good commissioner yeah i think it's like look like he i I, someone was writing a piece and where i sorry not to credit i forget where it was but it was like the response to covid has been basically a microcosm of each league's relationship to its players and the nba has a very strong relationship and and tends to listen to its players and give them sort of um, a say in what happens and a stake and so they're very interested in protecting the safety of their players baseball seems to sort of not have its stuff together and like Toronto doesn't know where it's going to play and, and stuff like that. And they're about to start the, the league. And then and the NFL is like, you'll do what we say. So it's, it's basically, <laughs> that's the three leagues in a nutshell. Right. I mean, yeah. well, but the, the MLB NBA thing seems so cool. Like NBA it's like Mike said on this show, like the NBA is like, they're, they're, they're giving the players rings to tell them when they might get COVID like, you know, like, like these, these super futuristic rings. And then like MLB is like putting tests in like Ubers and sending them like across state lines and in the hopes that the lands, I mean, it's just, it seems crazy, but they're both going to start anyway. Dave, you excited at all about baseball uh, get, getting started tomorrow? A lot of mixed feelings. I yeah. don't know. I'm just like, is this the right thing to do? I'm obviously psyched to watch it. I think there's something kind of cool about watching games being played in empty stadiums. It is like aesthetically interesting. I don't know. I have to admit, I'm very excited about hockey. I think they have a pretty good system in place. I know people don't really care, but I love the Stanley Cup playoffs. I think sure. it is the best playoff format. It's so exciting to me. And I, I like that they're... Going back to their roots, they're in Edmonton and Toronto, which is cool and weird, and it like belongs in Canada. They seem to have things unlocked better than the states, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, God, the 60 game baseball season is going to be so odd. I don't know what to make of it, but I'll be happy if they. I really it sounds corny. I'll just be happy if like they make it through all of these leagues without major catastrophes or like having to shut it down but i also hope they shut it down if they you know have to Uh, i don't know so weird it is weird mike yeah i mean i feel the same way i'm excited selfishly to watch them and i'm also acutely aware that selfish is not a good thing to be indulging in right now so i i i don't want i feel like there are besides the players hundreds and thousands of people whose health are at risk sort of unnecessarily right now. And I, and I, you know, look, we're going through this in Hollywood too, right? We're all trying to figure out when it's safe to go back and make TV shows and movies and people are sort of inching back toward production and the logistics of it are impossible there. It's a nightmare to try to, to try to outflank this thing and to try to create an environment where, where people are safe. And the only way you can do it is, the way it's not possible for really for Hollywood, but it's the way the NBA did it. They were like, look, everyone has to go to this one place and we're putting a bubble over the whole city and you can't leave. And if you leave, we're going to, you know, we're going to, you'll be, you'll know, we won't be able to play. We're going to shut you down. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I hope, I just hope I'm sort of with Dave. Like, I just hope that whatever unfolds, it unfolds with a minimal amount of personal, sacrifice of people's health and happiness and safety because i i'm really excited my son is chomping at the bit to watch the nba playoffs and i i'm right there with him but i just it's i'm the whole time i'm doing it i'm going to be a little uneasy i will say as a final note 
that I've been watching a lot of Premier League soccer because they finally got back uh, to playing the Premier League uh, about a month ago. And, uh, you know, England has done a way better job than we have. And they're like, you know, a lot of people are wearing masks, but like the players don't have to because they're tested like every 12 minutes to see yeah. if they're OK. <laughs> uh, and I wanted to see Liverpool hoist the cup, which they did today, which was great. And I have enjoyed the experience of watching sports as much as I thought I would like just watching games that matter uh, and watching the, these guys play the the sport that they play is bringing me a lot of joy and happiness. And so I think it's only going to be, you know, doubled and tripled and quadrupled when it's the NBA and MLB. So I'm, but I'm also like simultaneously like checking my own kind of like personal feelings about this because like everything else right now, it has enormous ramifications for tens of thousands of people and you can't help but feel a little bit like this, is this worth it? And I'm not, I'm not sure it is. But you know what it's like? I mean, it really, it doesn't feel that, I mean, it's, of course, it's very, very different. But in some ways, it feels like watching the NFL the last few years where you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I want to be. Yeah. But I mean, these guys. But are, also, I know like, what's happening. Yeah, I know what's <laughs> happening. And, and it's to their health. I know what's happening out there. So, yeah, it's, yeah uh, that's a it's good rough. point. But I will say, you know what, if, if this season goes on and somebody's hitting 400 in four weeks or whatever, and I mean, I think I'll get into it. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I feel the same way. I mean, I'm really, really skeptical uh, and nervous about this and, and nervous that it's going to end in a very, very bad way. Um, but, you know, I mean, at, at some point they're going to do it. So uh, if they do and, and there's some exciting things going on, uh, I do think that'll be that'll be exciting. God, it's such a good point. That's such a good point, Yang. It's like the NBA is like, let's figure this out together. And the MLB is like, well, how much does this cost? And, and, and then and the and NFL is like, do, do as we say. That yeah, doesn't matter what you think. You know, the like, NFL is your health is already in danger. Come the on. NFL is basically yeah. like, <laughs> how much worse could it be? A flag, America. Like, it's yeah. just all right. And Joe, Joe, Joe's asking if uh, anyone's going to hit 400 is like, man, 60 game sample, small sample size. I think Scooter Jeanette's going to hit 500. Book <laughs> it. Go. 500, man. One for two every, every wow. day. Two for four. Or one, for two, one for two in one game, and then he gets sent down. And assuming yeah, he gets, yeah. he gets signed. Uh, yeah, that would it could happen. Well, guys, this was fantastic. Uh, Dave Allen, thank you so much uh, for for doing this thing. It's uh, happy, I mean, uh, happy happy anniversary, guys. This happy is anniversary. Anniversary. yeah. Thanks for having us. Happy anniversary to you guys. I can't thank believe you. you've done two hundred for a variety of reasons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> Mike, as always, thank you. Thanks for having me.